Welcome to PWN's Debut Review, a weekly podcast devoted to debut art and its creators. This podcast is co-hosted by instructors from Project Right Now, a nonprofit writing studio. I'm Courtney Harler. And I'm Ray Brunt. Hiding just out of sight, summer mornings, winter nights, your moonlight in Vermont, like a ghost it haunts you. We are back with part two of our bonus episode, talking with co-hosts Ray and Courtney, putting them in the guest seats. Today, we chat about what inspires them as artists, as well as get a sneak peek into what to expect in season two. Okay, so now we are going to move on to the mood board. And with that, it's what is it that sustains or inspires or keeps you going, keeps your creative process going? Ray, I'm going to start with you this time. Well, I, I think for me, it's having a group of people to workshop with and having some deadlines. So for instance, I'm not I'm not working on writing fiction right now, but I am working on a screenplay. So the screenplay writing class that we have a project right now that I'm part of, that keeps me going. That keeps me on task. It's a great group of people who happen to be a lot of fun. So it's something I look forward to and that, that keeps me going. But I, you know, watching a lot of movies, watching some episodic television listening to a lot of music. I played the drums for about an hour and a half yesterday, which I haven't done oh, for wow. a long time and listened to, you know, played along with my headset, uh, everything from Frank Sinatra to Frank Zappa and everything in between. And my hands are not what they used to be when I used to play out, but, and, and practice, you know, hours a day, but you know, it was good enough with the headphones on that I couldn't hear all my mistakes. So you know, something like that just lights you up and excites you. At least it does for me. And, you know, getting to listen to a lot of different music, being able to use Spotify to just pull up anything at any time, you know, I find that to be fun. And reading other people's work, reading other people in the screenwriting class and listening or, or watching and reading other screenplays as well, that's what keeps me going and motivated in terms of trying to, you know, get this new type of writing under my belt. So Ray, you were talking about television, episodic television and film. So I'm curious as a, as you're writing a screenplay and I happen to know that this is new for you, are there any specific TV shows or films that you're gravitating toward to help with your own writing? Yeah, I guess. I mean, the, the show search party is, is one that I find to be really interesting to watch not just for entertainment value. I mean, it's a dark comedy. And I think part of what I'm writing is could be, you know, considered a dark comedy and trying to learn to write something in a half an hour or 40 minutes and have it begin and end in a way that's going to get the person, the person whoever's going to end up watching it, hopefully 
you know, in the, in the beginning, you want to interest them so that they'll carry on. And at the end, you want to interest them so that they'll come back for the next mm-hmm. episode. And I think Search Party does an incredible job of that and how they start the episode and then run the music and the credits and then come back to the episode. And then at the end, they leave you with a cliffhanger that you just absolutely have to come back for. So that's what I'm trying to aspire to with this. And, you know, the dialogue is very quick, very snappy, very funny. And yeah, so I I think I'm trying to watch that and take some mental notes, at least of how they do it. And Courtney, how about for you? What is, I know you had talked a lot about reading. So I'm wondering if we could complement that with any other things that you do that really sustains you or inspires your creative process. I'm going to have to talk about the reading again, but okay. I'll give I'll give you I'll give you some other bits first cuz I've read some really fantastic work lately. So, I'm, you know, I grew up in the country for the most part and I need the outdoors. Uh, I haven't had much time lately. I haven't had my schedule has shifted and and that kind of thing and it's a little I like to walk like really early in the morning, but it's been a little too dark and cold and kind mm-hmm. of scary for the time that I have right now. So I'm trying to trying to get out in the afternoon, but I need nature to get headspace for creative process. Even if I listen to a book while I'm walking, I'm outside, I'm kind of, you know, getting the fresh air. And, you know, and sometimes I, I don't listen to a book on purpose or anything else on purpose so that I can just be there and try to get some headspace for that creative process. I am the kind of writer who needs like downtime and really open headspace to really create. So my schedule's been a little cramped lately. I'm starting to feel that. Rededicating myself to, you know, getting outside, um, not just for the exercise, but, you know, for the clearing of the head and the, and, and, and for, you know, physical exercise, but also like mental health, you know, mm-hmm. just, just, I really need that. I haven't watched a lot of TV lately. But one thing that I have seen, and I, I was so excited about it, I had a text Ray the other night, was a tender bar based on the memoir by J.R. Moringer. I might be getting that, that na- saying that name a little bit wrong, but I was really inspired by that because, again, it's like taking, taking your experience, taking your original experience and um, bringing it to an audience. And, of course, it changes along the way. And, you know, even a memoir is going to take some creative liberties just for the sake of, you know, narrative context and narrative arc. But just really love that the way that they brought that story to the screen, even though I haven't read the book yet. For me, you know, the story on the screen was very effective. And I, I had to tell Ray about it because I thought he would appreciate it, too. Yeah, I did. I, I, I enjoyed it. It was really good. I thought it was well done. Yeah, it's, it's exceedingly well done. So books I've been reading lately, though, are Lily King's Euphoria, Lauren Groff's Matrix, Louise Erdrich's sentence, which I, which I really, really loved all of those. I really enjoyed. And what happens to me when I read something that just like really hits its mark, it, I know that I'll never say write like those writers. Um, I could learn some tips and tricks from them and, you know, emulate some of their better moves or, you know, attempt to do it in my own way. But I know that I'll never like be Lauren Groff, right? I'm always going to be Courtney Harler as a writer. But what it does is there's some kind of alchemy in my brain. Like when I read something that is just exceedingly well done, that gives me hope for the process and gives me hope for my own process. It just Mm -hmm. gives me a model 
I can think of times in my past reiterations in my life and even, you know, recently, like I read something and I think, oh, I wish I wrote that. You know, it, it's almost like it's almost like that that first ping is jealousy, like, oh, I wish I'd written that, you know. But more and more as I mature as a writer and a reader, it's more like, so that's how that gets done, or that's how that can be done. And here are other ways, you know, that kind of spin off in my mind as I'm reading like how how a certain character or plot could be developed especially if you're kind of in a slump and you read something that's just really wonderful it it just brings you back to the words you know mm-hmm. brings you back brings you back to you know what you love about the words and and why you want to create your own words and why you want to you know commit those to the page and the, and then share those with others enjoying those books on a personal level Let's put it this way. So another thing that Alan Heathcock, he he's you know was one of my favorite mentors. Another thing he he would promote or he would insist that us that us effective story must have is empathy. So that that empathetic connection, so the connection with the characters, and then via the characters with the writer in a kind of way, because you know that they were connecting with their characters in order to make them so wholly full and realized on the page. So there's just this sense of empathy, the sense of connection, you know, we read, a lot of us read to learn about, you know, people different from us or to understand situations that we never could have fathomed, you know, readers being in. And this is true for realism and even speculative fiction as well. Like, you know, there are situations where you could never fathom, but you create this empathetic connection and this understanding a more of yourself or of humanity or you know or just even on a technical level like of the craft and and how those characters come to live on the page. So I just I get really excited when I read something that is just really really well done. Right now I'm reading Anthony Doerr's Cloud Cuckoo Land, which I definitely think I'm going to have to read again. <laughs> it's a very intricate plot interwoven over centuries. And then there's kind of a meta thread of a story written by Diogenes, you know, all those centuries ago. So just, you know, reading reading the work of really talented writers and even, you know, reading their earlier work and then, you know, seeing what they come out with next to follow that progression. That's very inspiring to me as a writer. And it was always books in the beginning that made me want to write. It was always books. It was always the reading. And that that impulse comes to me directly through, you know, words I see on the page and then an admiration of those words and a way of trying to express, you know, something in my own way that might touch others too in the mm-hmm. end. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, I'm curious because I think you've, and I follow you on Instagram, by the way, Courtney, and I love seeing what you're reading and you'll, you'll say like, here's what I'm reading. Here's what I'm listening to. And do you find listening to audio books or the audio version of a book, you find that there's different things that you pick up on in terms of what the writer is doing when you listen versus when you see it on paper. Primarily my reading for myself has been audiobooks lately because I'm doing so much, you know, editing during the days that I need to give my eyes a rest. So, you know, I'll re- I'll listen on my commutes and my walks and I listen as I fall asleep at night and sometimes I have insomnia, so I also listen in the middle of the night sometimes. <laughs> but it's a very different experience. I do sometimes miss just like, you know, that quiet k- k- that quiet reading experience like communing with the book silently, right? Mm -hmm. 
I just don't have a lot of time for that right now. So I'm trying to squeeze in my reading however I can. But in particular, if you can find a book that is read by the author, examples that I think of off the top of my head are like Toni Morrison recorded most of her books before she passed. I listened to Song of Solomon late last year, which I had not read, was blown away by. A lot of people say that that's you know, their favorite book by her. Up until that point, Beloved had been my favorite. And now Beloved and Song of Solomon might be in a tie. But I listened to, as you know, there are fantastic narrators out there, really wonderful narrators. But I listened to Louise Erdrich read Sentence. There's, there's really something about that and that the writer is expressing exactly what they intended to express. And some of that expression, even with the best of writers, I think can be lost on the black and white page with the print. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, when the writer reads it, they, they know exactly what they intended to say or present in that certain scene. And it's such a rare treat, right? It's such yes. a treat to, to hear the writer read their own work, which is, you know, I think, not only important for you know published writers, but also for non-published writers to read their work aloud as part of the revision process, but also as just part of affirming what they've done, you know, and and giving full expression to you know what they had intended to do there. Because we we do sometimes you know fall a little bit short on the page because it's just really hard to carry all of that on a black and white page. You know, it's really hard to encompass all of that. So the audiobooks can add that layer of of richness. And then, you know, with with books that are not narrated by their own authors but are narrated by really talented narrators, otherwise they can bring that that kind of dramatic portrayal into the piece. And and some books are read that way and some books are not. You know, we all have different reading styles and we all approach books in different ways. Like you know, some some narrators are real heavy on voices, while others just do slight, slightly different inflections for different characters. But definitely, like you know, listening to something read by Louise Erdrich, there's something just so. What's the word I'm looking for here? There, there's this. There doesn't feel to be that that separation, right? Like there's yeah. there's no separation between what she intended to say and what I'm receiving if I listen to her literally read her book. So I do think that books should be open to interpretation, but this this is just a treat to to hear it said, to hear it written and said in her own voice and especially you know honoring a Native American voice that way, right? Just loved loved that experience and I do find that very sustaining. Okay, so we are going to be heading into season 2 which is super exciting. I know you both have been already doing recordings and we're aiming to get that out probably mid to late February. Is there anything you can tell us about season two? Any teasers that you can give us of what we can expect in season two? Well, I'll just say it's it's going to be difficult to top season one, but I think we're going to do it. <laughs> we're trying to get some writers from different uh, genres, right? I mean, we're primarily focused on fiction writers and memoir in season one. And I think we're going to branch out a little bit and maybe talk a little bit about dramatic writing. What else do we have in store, Courtney? 
Well, we're looking at different forms. So hoping to talk to a comic book writer and like you said, dramatic writing. So playwrights and screenwriters. Maybe we'll get a little more music into this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's uh, not set in stone, but those are our plans. Okay, great. Well, I wanted to thank you both for allowing us to turn the tables and interview both of you and hear from you. And um, thank you so much for your time. And we're, we're excited. Season two, here we come. We hope you enjoyed part two of our bonus episode. Stay tuned for season two, which will launch in March. In the meantime, we invite you to join Project Right Now's writing community. Check out our classes, workshops, and events at projectrightnow.org. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to PWN's debut review. I'm Ray Brunt. And I'm Courtney Harler. PWN's debut review is hosted by Project Right Now. Produced by Jennifer Chohan and edited by Adam Wells and Lisa Hartsgrove. Zoe Gullickson is our creative marketing manager. The theme song, Don't Look Away, was written and performed by Mimi Cross and produced by Kevin Salem. Questions, comments, complaints? Email us. Debut review at projectrightnow.org.